Growing up, I was often consumed with feelings of insecurity and doubt. I never felt like I measured up or was good enough, especially when anyone ever talked about the afterlife. I never thought I would make it. The more I study and learn, I have come to understand that these feelings of not being good enough are exactly how the adversary wants us to feel. In fact, I think it's a very binary way of thinking. Either we are good enough or not good enough. Either it's heaven or it's hell. Here's what I have come to learn and know and understand. God wants us to be happy. And his plan is designed to save us. And I think God is pretty good at his job. Heaven will be exactly what we want it to be. Hi, and welcome to Magnify. We are a podcast that helps keep general conference top of mind without adding to your to-do list. I'm your host, Katherine Davis, a mom, a seminary teacher, and a big football fan who loves God. And I am so excited to learn and be inspired with you. We know life is busy, and we are here to lighten the load by bringing you weekly spiritual reminders that will leave you feeling a little bit better than before. Here today is contributor Mindy Brown. Mindy loves playing with her grandbabies, and her perfect day looks a lot like mine. The beach, a good book, and a Diet Coke. If there is anybody I would love to spend a day inside their brain, it is Mindy. She is brilliant and articulate and is currently getting her master's at Duke Divinity School, so this will be sure to be an enlightening conversation. Mindy, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, Catherine, that's such a nice introduction. Thank you. I want to spend a day at the beach with you, too, with a nice cold drink and a good book that we won't open because we'll be too busy talking. It sounds ideal. Well, as we get into this talk from Elder Oaks General Conference Address, you had some great takeaways. And your first one is that you are loved full stop. Can you tell me why this reminder mattered so much to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, and just so it's clear and everyone knows exactly what we're talking about, just right here in his opening paragraph, he lays this out and he says, foremost among that doctrine is the fact that our Heavenly Father loves all his children so much that he wants us all to live in a kingdom of glory forever. I just absolutely loved that he calls this a fact, that God loves every single one of us. I think this is something that there are sometimes discussions about, maybe even we might say debate, that I think hinge a little bit on how we're using the word love and and possibly overusing it to represent some different ideas that maybe if we could detangle what we actually mean, it would be easier for us to recognize that it is a fact. God loves all of us. Like I even went through the talk and marked up everywhere he used the word all 15 times. I mean, he's really, I think, trying to make the point here that God loves all of us. Like, Just stop right there and believe that. That is true. God is love. Um, A few years ago, I spent a really devoted time, a few months of time, just digging into this and making sure that I could figure this out for myself and be positive that this is accurate. And I'll tell you what, it is. I did so much digging. I just, I believe it completely. God loves us, every single one of us. I'm grateful that I I was able to determine that for myself 
And I was so happy to hear President Oaks echo that again. Well, Mindy, what led you to trying to find out and discover more about God's love? Well, you know, I think it was some different talk and chatter I was hearing around me. And um, honestly, it like shook me to the core. Like it really concerned me to consider, wait, what? what is the truth on this? Does God love every single one of us or not? Like I need a clear answer on that. And like it was a deep personal searching period and and I was pretty sure I was going to have to stick with it until I found the answer I was absolutely convinced of and that's really what I did. I mean it was it was probably one of the hardest periods of testimony building for me because I did feel like oh I need to know for positive which one is it? Is it is it all or is it most not quite whatever I needed to know all and I really did gain a testimony that it's all. So Mindy, you did all that research and you did a deep dive into studying God's love. What kind of hope does that provide for you? I guess I'd sum up that hope as really understanding and believing that there is a place for everyone and not just a place, but the perfect place for everyone. And I loved the way that President Oaks described that. He said that all of God's children will inherit a kingdom of glory whose laws they can comfortably abide. And then he really kind of dug in to what he meant by abide, and he defines it as a secure placement. And to me, that just feels like spacious love, like there's room for everyone and that you don't have to fit a mold. There's no perfect mold. You are actually being welcomed just like your special you. You get to be you. And and that's a great thing. You know, I think sometimes it gets a little bit weird in in a high achieving culture to talk about, well, you know, you need to be comfortable or whatever, as if we're kind of being judgmental, like we're kind of recognizing there's this nuance of, well, maybe a little lazy if you want to be comfortable. And I just think that's such a dangerous place to go with this. I don't think that's what President Oaks meant. And I think that's why he really drew out the definition he was using of abide being this secure placement, because I think it's it's more like a security blanket or like your place, like you get to fit in just right. And to me, that kind of spacious love just gives me so much peace that I don't have to be someone different. I, what I'm really being asked to be is my truest, best self, not a different self, not somebody who's not me. And that's happy to me. I don't want to be somebody else. I, I like me. How do we get away from this feeling of being comfortable as lazy or not achieving in our culture? Well, I think that's such a great question. And obviously, that's something that we all struggle with at times, right? We always feel like there's this hierarchical element of things. And I think that's so unfortunate. We don't, we don't want it to be like that. And I think part of it is embracing what he's saying, that there'll be a place just right for you. So like, for example, if you love French country and like that's your style, you don't have to live in urban chic right? Like that would not be peaceful or restful. 
for the French country lovers among us, right? Or, or on similar lines, like if your Zen is duck egg blue, you're not spending eternity surrounded by fuchsia. That would be uncomfortable for you. And that's totally fine. We need duck eggs and we need fuchsia. We need all of it, right? Or if you're team Diet Coke, you're not going to a Pepsi establishment, right? That we know. We want okay, to be that comfortable. One resonates so much with me because we even choose where we go to dinner. Oh, no. Oh, they, me they too. don't serve Diet Coke. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not seeing. I don't, I don't want to spend eternity in a Pepsi establishment, but some people do. And that's great. They can live next door to me and that can be Pepsi, but I'm going to be team Diet Coke, right? So yeah, you know, I think, I think appreciating that we're allowed to be unique is really, really valuable. But I think the, the other thing that I think he really gets into with this message that, that to me is kind of the hidden gem of this message would be what I would, I kind of would think is like the third point I would make here is that heaven begins here, that celestial relationships happen on earth. Because his whole point is if we're going to land in that place we're comfortable, we learn to be comfortable by what we're doing here and now. And so I really think reading between the lines here, the message is you need to be celestializing your relationships and your life and your lifestyle, all the things. If you're not internalizing that here and now and living it, it doesn't really do anything for you. Like you can't, you can't be converted on the other side. You actually need to com- be converted to this idea of celestial living and celestial loving here and now. And the cool thing about that is when you see it that way, if you kind of reverse engineer this, I think you can see that if we're doing our best in living celestially and loving celestially, while that's happening, what we're actually doing is lifting everybody up around us. So in the long run, it's almost like we're leveling the playing field, but not diminishing it, like leveling up, like we're, we're pulling everybody up with us. And I think for me, you can really see how what we're really talking about is the family of God, that we are all going to sink or swim together, that in figuring out how to live and love celestial, we're going to do it as like a celestial laboratory in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our congregations, in our communities. And by loving everybody else that way, we're pulling them up with us. And ultimately, I don't think we're going to have to worry about any sort of hierarchy because exaltation is a family affair, right? It's not an individual thing. It doesn't work that way. So that's kind of how I see it. And and that's what I really, really love about this message. Mindy, tell me more about celestial laboratories. Okay. Well, I guess I would think it's all about practicing and learning it. And we're put into these different communities, whether, like I said, family, neighborhood, congregation, city, town, state, whatever, nation, all these different communities give us all these opportunities to practice celestial love. It's so helpful for me to kind of consider that it's not the easy relationships that give me good practice. It's actually the harder relationships. I don't think perfect relationships teach us celestial love. They're not really effective celestializers, right? 
Yeah. But imperfect relationships are really good practice. That's what we're doing here on earth. That's mortality. Well, and that's how God designed the plant is for us to be able to learn that here yeah. and now with imperfect people, with people who annoy us, with people who bug us. And it's really easy yeah. to love somebody who loves us. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It, it's simple. In fact, it doesn't really even test love. It's, yeah, it's too easy, too easy. When you talk about prioritizing a celestial relationship, have you had experiences with that or how do we do that? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, one really good personal learning experience for me was when I finally had to kind of look more closely at that metaphorical language we sometimes use when we say, you know, there are no empty chairs at my table. Like, we're all going to make it. We're all going to get there together. And, um, you know, we all, we all have children who are unique. Each of them comes with their own personality, their own style, their own way, uh, their own learning style. And one of mine definitely has a different way of learning than I do. She probably leans toward learning things the hard way, where I'd love to learn things the easy way. Working through that with her has been sort of a series of constant reminders to me that while I agree, I don't want any empty chairs at the table. I always think that, I also think that's kind of a limiting metaphor because I don't think we need to keep our chairs at the kitchen table. I think what I've learned from her is I need to break apart some chairs, rebuild them into a picnic basket and go on a hike with her and bring everybody else along and say, hey, tonight we're having dinner in the mountains. Like that's where she wants to be. Sure. We'll all go there. We can do that. It doesn't have to be in my kitchen. You know, I think it's helped me loosen up so much more in recognizing that my love can be spacious too. Like. I don't have to set these firm limits. And so if God's love is spacious, that's a great example to me that I can give more spacious love as well. And so I'm I'm just enormously grateful for the way that each of my children has helped me learn to love better. And uh, I just continue to learn. There's always more to learn. You've been spending the last few years really studying and learning about the temple. What do you learn about God's love being spacious or about celestial relationships in the temple? Mm. Oh, so much. It is the best, the best like intense learning laboratory. You got to go in and and I guess in a way it's it's maybe I'd even say it's not quite the laboratory, it's the classroom. And then you have to come back out and everything outside of its doors is the laboratory where you put it to use. But to me, I think one of the really beautiful practices that we we hone when we visit the temple is appreciating that we're learning these eternal principles of love there. Things like uh, loyalty and commitment, and you know we might we might hear it called obedience there, but really it's about loyalty and commitment and and building trust right with the Lord and with others, and then. You know, you look at sacrifice and all the ways that we can apply the principles of sacrifice in our families, of giving up some of our time to listen better, to just be there, to comfort one another with the people we love. Really, all those eternal laws 
that we're, we're practicing in the temple are meant to come out here and be used to help celestialize us and to do that with one another and, and then lift everybody together. Um, I think it's such a bigger project than maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago I envisioned it as. It's, it's not about my little family. It's not about my household. It's really about the family of God. And in that sense, it's just an enormous communal sort of work that's going to take everybody helping and lifting and learning together and being patient with one another as we, as we figure it out. You know, it's a process. We're, we're all figuring it out. And if we're going to practice on each other, it's going to require a lot of patience and forgiveness. And for me, that's really been a helpful perspective to keep. That doesn't feel overwhelming for you? Well, no, because if everybody's doing their piece, then we all lift together. Like, I don't have to do all of it. I, I just have to work in my spheres of influence. You know, and, and I think one of the places that, that this really began to make more sense to me was as my older children got married. And like, for instance, I think I actually had these thoughts sitting in the ceiling room of the temple when my oldest was married. As I looked across to the other side of the room to all of my, my son-in-law's family, you know, and then I'm looking around me on our side and I'm seeing my parents and grandparents and everybody else who is there. And you're watching this beautiful temple ceiling take place and you're seeing this couple being sealed together. And you're thinking, oh, look, we're adding this like link in our family chain. And then you suddenly realize, wait, how does this work if she's just being added to their family? Like, hold on. We are weaving together everyone in this room. Like, I don't even know some of their names on that side of the room, but we're all weaving it together. It's not a chain. It's a piece of lace. And, and it's that big connection that we can see and feel that can give me so much more compassion for strangers that I've never even seen before, but can appreciate my celestializing depends on their celestializing. If I'm helping them, they're helping me. We're doing it together. Well, I really am intrigued by your idea that that the hidden gem in Elder Oak's talk is that heaven begins here. Because sometimes I think we we are so nervous about what's to come and yeah. we're waiting to be, am I going to be enough? Am I going to make it? Yeah. yeah. But this is putting it back to it's here. It's right now. Well, and like you said earlier, that it's this beautiful plan. You know, I think sometimes when we put these blinders on and just think, oh, I just got to stay focused on that end goal, just just keep it right there, it looks so much more like a list to yeah. us. It looks like a checkbox list, and that is stressful. And it also just shuts us off from everybody around us. I think it's so much more effective to be able to actually see it as a plan. It's like a process. A plan takes time. A plan is big. It's a big project that everybody's kind of working on together. And I think the most crucial thing is that 
we we need to glance up. We definitely need to look up frequently to make sure that, oh yeah, I'm still headed in that direction. But look around simultaneously and see, oh, who can I help right here next to me? Whose hand do I need to take? Like, who can give me a hand up? Who can I give a hand up to? How can we all do it together? And and like you said, too, to just diminish that sense of it, there being any sort of hierarchy of it, because that doesn't sit well with so many of us. We We don't love that idea. We want to feel like we're living in harmony where there's no poor among us because everybody is valued for their special gifts. And we do that best when we take when we take off our blinders and we look up, but also side to side. And we're doing them both frequently. When have you been able to live in harmony and appreciate someone else's different gifts than yours and different talents? Mm. Well, I think church service is such a great opportunity for that, right? If, if you're working in a presidency or on a board, say you're in the young women's board in your ward or whatever committee, it's so fun to work long enough with the same group of people to realize, oh, you do this great. Teach me how you do that better. Like, I'm not good at that. And not just say, so here, you take it, you do that, but like learn as you're doing it and give each other opportunities to kind of stretch, but also be there to be like, eh, yeah, that is hard for you. Let me do that. I can, I can help you with that one today. And others that you say, oh boy, this is stressing me out so badly. This is not my forte. And to have somebody there say, I can do that. That's actually pretty easy for me. Now, that's just such a nice way to work together. It's just an interdependence that I think really is part of the big, beautiful plan. Well, I think we think of celestial relationships. And like you said, we automatically go to our little immediate family. But this is so much more spacious. Yeah. And, you know, Catherine, I think it's it's so fun Like to re- return to that metaphor I used earlier. I personally am a duck egg blue person. Like, I love that. But I really also love fuchsia. And some days, man... I'm so happy to be with somebody wearing fuchsia and just have that that brightness in my life that maybe otherwise wouldn't be there that day. You know, they're just every different style can be appreciated and to learn to love it. You know, how boring if we all lived in identical tract homes. That's you know, you, you want it like one of the joys of life is going into someone's home and looking at, oh, I love that this coffee table spoke to you. Like, you know, that's so great. That's joy. That's what life is all about. And to think of God's plan that way, rather than a limiting box, but it is expansive. It's spacious and it's for all of us. All, every single one. Well, Mindy, as we conclude this conversation, I just want to ask you, what would be your small and simple challenge from the conversation today to help us live in this celestial style living in the celestial relationships? Well, I would love to challenge people, including myself, all of us, to open our eyes and watch for an example of someone living and loving celestially. Like watch for celestialization happening right around you. And then just take a moment and appreciate that you're getting a glimpse of heaven right here, right now. And I just think that would lift all of us 
every time we see it. If we start looking for it, it's it's actually happening all around us. It's building Zion. That's what it is. It's gathering. And I think we'll see it more than we can imagine if we actually look for it. Exactly. Well, I know, like you, I'm excited to continue on this conversation. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Let's hop over to Instagram and uh, invite everyone to meet us there. We'll we'll discuss all this. We'd love to hear where you see celestialization happening. So get online and share. Let's all learn from each other. Let's all lift each other. 